podcast i'm nick and i'm here with my friend zach hello everyone so in honor of the end of the year and the start of a new one we're going to be going over all the highlights of 2018 from the lens of commander and we're also going to be talking about our hopes for the new year a lot of things happened this year in in general and in magic yeah there were a lot of sets released this year so for each of these sets we're going to talk about what the most impactful and interesting commanders were that came out of them what were potential new format staples interesting reprints and of course our favorite cards out of each of these sets Mm -hmm. so we're going to start with january in which rivals of ixalan was released i think the two most impactful commanders that came out of this set were Kumena and Zakama Primal Calamity. So Kumena is a blue-green tribal merfolk commander, and he's the first viable tribal merfolk commander, although I think his design is still kind of flawed. It is a bit strange that he wants you to tap all your guys instead of attacking with them. Yeah, in like an aggressive tribe, Mm -hmm. which is strange. Um, But I... I think adding green to the identity widens kind of what you can do, because there really are only so many playable mono blue Mm -hmm. merfolk cards. So I I think it's like a step in the right direction, Mm -hmm. for sure. And then Zakama is just so, so big and good. It's definitely a really great ramp payoff, and there are a lot of cool things you can do with it, even though, like, Cast triggers aren't quite as abusable as some other things. Mm-hmm. It's still a, a powerful commander. You can do things like copying the trigger with like Strionic Resonator, yeah, even just bouncing it. Because when you have that much mana and that that much mana untapping with Zakama, if you can bounce Zakama and cast them over and over and over again, it's pretty strong. <laughs> and then it gives you one condition right there. Ravenous Chupacabra was released in this set, and I think that's easily a new format staple. It's found its way into a lot of decks, and it's just a pretty clear upgrade over past cards like Necrotal. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Journey to Eternity is a great tool for reanimator decks. That's the black-green flip enchantment from Rivals of Ixalan. I've seen it put to good use in decks like Muldrotha, any green-black deck that has sack outlets and is interested in playing out of its graveyard, which is... Most of them. Yeah, a lot of them. It's a good chunk of them. (laughs) Yeah. Wayward Sword Tooth is a pretty good tool for land decks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That that effect being in multiples is very good for those decks. Absolutely. Like, after playing with Lord Windgrace for the past couple months, I've found that the games where I have one of those effects are very different from the games where I don't. If I have an effect like that, I can just pull ahead and, and kind of just not care about what anyone else is doing. Yeah, so it's it's definitely great to get more effects like that. Another card that I thought was pretty important was Tender Shoot Dryad. Oh, yes, I love this card in particular so much. Verdant Force, back in the day, was considered such an awesome effect for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. But the 7-7 the body did not really matter at all. That's not yeah. what you wanted out of the card. So getting, like... The majority of the of the value from Verdant Force 
for three mana cheaper and then also having this this tribal effect tacked onto it so that you're making like yeah. four three threes in a round of turn it's so good it's pretty strong yeah and it pretty much always goes off you pretty much always like if you drop a tender shoot dryad by your next turn you're gonna have the city's blessing mm-hmm. i just want to briefly bring up the immortal sun and how it's oh. <laughs> It's been taken up by a lot of players. I looked on EDH Rec, and I think that over 2,000 decks yeah. are running the Immortal Sun. Yeah, I think it's actually like worth some money. It looks like it's $17 right now. It's so nuts. Which is, is highly surprising. We, we've talked about it before, but it does a lot of things, but none of them very well. Yeah, like if you want to do any of those things, you can do it better somewhere else. And you shouldn't be paying so much extra for all of them. Like, I can't think of any deck that wants all of them. I definitely think that, like, cost reduction matters most if you're trying to cast a lot of spells in one turn, maybe combo off. Mm -hmm. Pumping plus one plus one is not something that people should be trying to do in Commander. It's just not impactful enough most of the time. What were some of the cards you noticed out of the set that yeah. you were really interested in? A few of the ones you said. So I really love Tender Shoot Dryad and Journey to Eternity. Especially Journey like slots into way more decks than I thought it did. I really liked Tomb Robber. Tom B. Robber has given me a lot of utility in a few decks that like want a good cheap discard outlet. Tom Bro Bieber. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Tom Bro Bieber. And the other one is World Shaper. I like World Shaper a lot. It's the merfolk that mills you when it attacks and gets all your lands from engrave when it dies. This effect stapled to a creature has been, like, invaluable to me in a lot of my decks. Have you played a lot with it? Yes. Okay. I'm a little reluctant to put a lot of dies triggers in my deck if I don't have a consistent way to sack yeah. them. And to be fair, this I've only put this in green decks with sack outlets. Okay, all right. So to, the, my bias is very much green like value engines. But this in particular has actually won me some games because like you have a world shaper and then they can't like Armageddon. Or they do Armageddon and you play world shaper. Or you've milled yourself a ton. All of a sudden you go from like turn six or seven to like turn 20 <laughs> and so yeah those those are kind of two of my favorites from this set in particular and i was really happy with the set in general coming out of just Ixalan. it definitely was a, a big upgrade yeah and, and i just wanted to call out one favorite maybe not the most impactful but one of the cards from the set that i really enjoyed mm-hmm. I, i'm a big fan of dire fleet daredevil it can potentially hose opposing graveyard recursion of its its sorceries there's a lot of cheap answers running around the format Mm -hmm. so getting the opportunity to just like three mana i'll play this guy for two and then play your swords to plowshares out of your graveyard or cast a wrath out of your graveyard it's extremely flexible and there's always a good target for it to hit yeah and i'm really happy with that card just being mono red yeah i'm so happy with that like it's uh it was basically the start of like a very good year for red decks we'll get into that more we'll get into for that sure. more later but it's been a very good year for red players so in march we got the release of masters 25 we're not going to spend too much on this one because it is a reprint set yeah i think we're going to kind of skim over reprint sets in general um but i i just want to say that i really loved the watermarks yes I would love to see more of that in the future, mm-hmm. get more use out of my water market. They kind of botched 
as they've kind of been doing with master sets lately, some execution things. Mm-hmm. But I love how this set was like your favorite draft cards this set. Mm-hmm. Like they did such a good job picking cards from all across Magic's history that were like so good in limited in particular and and fun for limited and stuff like that. And these archetypes that were really interesting. And so like yes, Tree of Redemption, mm-hmm. like yes, there are problems, but I think in a lot of ways this set did put a lot of pretty decent cards back out there again. Uh, at least the filter lands at the bare minimum. Yeah, there were some great reprints. I was really happy to see Coalition Relic, Living Death with that sweet FTV art, yes. but without the terrible FTV foiling. Yes. Eladomri's Call in New Border. Yeah, so nice. Uh, oh. oh, Imperial Recruiter now is Imperial. like $30 now. Yeah, like, you can pick one up for you can, reals. You can actually get one. And the art's very good. Yeah, it's yeah, great. much much better than the original. Also, Relentless Rats are now, they mm-hmm. got better art. I've said this before, but I really don't like Thomas M. Baxa. Also, they're now considerably cheaper, so Mm. if you wanted to build that deck... Flash doesn't have the the weird spooky man on it anymore and, like, the lizard dragon ghost. I'm saddened that we didn't get more cards from Mirage. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So many of these set symbols look really great when blown up to that size of the the text box. I also really liked the Apocalypse one blown up real big. Mm. Made me so happy every time I saw it. In April, we got the release of Dominaria. And between the set and new cards and supplemental products related to the set, there were 44 legendary creatures in Dominaria. This is probably one of the best sets for Commander of all time. Yeah. Opened up a ton of archetypes. I'm just going to run through some of the highlights. Angel Tribal. Finally actually has a a real official commander with Lyra Dawnbringer. Wizard Blink with Nabon, Dean of Iteration. We got another mono black reanimator commander with Whisper. Mm -hmm. Rada, the Grand Warlord. She got a cool token ramp deck. Joyra, Mox Tribal, Teshar Bobble Combo, yeah. Slimefoot, Sapperling Tribal, yeah. Firesong and Sunspeaker, Earthquake Control, yeah. Moldrotha, yeah, Sultai Recursion. Jeez, yeah. So, so many new decks added to the format. Great, great set. There were some pretty cool main deck cards that are yeah, worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, I just want to call out two or three, and then and then you can... Yeah, I only have like one or two I'd want to mention. So so there's Helm of the Host, which is a really sweet Johnny card. Kind of expensive, but it does enable a lot of combos. Yes, yeah. Tons of like weird tech you can do with that. Mm -hmm. The Mending of Dominaria. It's a great tool for lands decks because you're easily like discarding, sacrificing lands, milling lands. So you can get a ton onto the battlefield at once. Like like you said earlier, when this effect goes off in the right kind of deck, yeah. you're going to like double the amount of mana you have available. It's also just a good way to recur like the support creatures, the things like the Wayward Sword 2s or the Azusas. Oh, yeah. What were your highlights from so, the set? Yeah, so for Dominaria in particular, like my favorite card was Lich's Mastery. <laughs> oh, God, just... yes. How could I have forgotten that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many cards in the set. Like, Lich has been my favorite card in Magic, and I always try to put it in decks. Every now and then it works out pretty well, or it's, like, usually, like, a funny thing I do. But the fact that Lich's Mastery is actually good is incredible. (laughs) And that, like, you can just play it and get all this value, and it feels powerful. It, like, turns the game on its head and makes all these cards that, like, are 
bad life game um into these like incredible engines it like is so much fun but just on top of that like uh i really liked the bread and buttery effects that we got that you reprinted like gilded lotus i really liked final parting which is like jared's orders but like different mm-hmm. i liked the new version of squee a lot i just kind of like how they put a lot of these pieces into the set that you can move around how you want like garna like what do you do with garna you can do whatever you want with garna i want to call out one thing that i really like from the set from a mechanical standpoint and oh, what yeah. it could potentially mean for the future i thought that historic and like the introduction of batching technology was oh, really yeah. exciting yeah and it made me really interested in what we might see in the future in terms of batching it's super flavorful it's easy to make work in a limited environment uh-huh. depending on what you're choosing for the batches and it's also a great way to sort of fix some of the mistakes that wizards has made oh yeah like um, like Nagas. <laughs> ex- exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah you could really easily batch together snakes nagas and gorgons and yeah. just call them all like you know scaled creatures yeah. <laughs> or something you control like that. serpentine creatures you control mm-hmm. that was a great innovation really excited to see where that's going i actually had a different card listed as my favorite i'm gonna change my answer okay. to lich's mastery because <laughs> yeah. you're right that is such a cool card and yeah. i'm glad after like so many iterations they finally got it right yeah it it's, really it's, it's correct now it is yeah it, it is not only like cool it is now powerful Mm -hmm. and like playable and playable is the key word that we've been looking for after like 25 years absolutely i also wanted to give an honorable mention to teshar ancestors apostle so i've played this deck and took it apart because it is kind of just non-interactive combo (laughs) but uh it is one of those combo decks that really helps you improve as a player Oh, yeah. Because there's just so much going on. And what tends to happen is, like, anytime you have a sack outlet on the field and any three random permanents from the deck on the battlefield, you can probably win, but you just have to figure it out. So you have to (laughs) constantly reanalyze the board with every new draw because you might be sitting on a win and not even realize it. That's so funny. I really love Teshar. It's just like a tool to train your brain to like recognize unique <laughs> board situations. Next release we want to talk about is Battle Bond in June. Yes. So there was a, a lot going on here. There were six partner pairs and two standalone commanders. Mm-hmm. The breakout commander of the group, though, was Najila and her warrior tribal list. Yeah. I built the deck. Honestly, I think the power level is like a bit too pushed. It's just like Krenko, but more colors and cheaper and faster. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. definitely vouch for that. In addition to Warrior Tribal being a new archetype, there was also the coin flipping archetype. Got yeah. official commanders with Zinder Spilt and Okan. Okan. Mm-hmm. We got Krav and Regna, which are good alternatives to Tesa 1.0 Sack Outlet shenanigans. And then Will and Rowan. Kenrith, they seem like good alternatives to Mizzix for like a is it spell combo deck. I'm really happy that Red Blue got two commander sets this set too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there were some great reprints in this set. We got Doubling Season, <laughs> Seedborn Muse, Land Tax, 
Greater Good, yes, which uh, Greater Good I was really happy about because mm-hmm. the, they used the Judge promo art. Yeah, it looks amazing. It looks so much better. Diabolic Intent, Mica Synth Lattice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vigor, not a great card, but was 20 bucks for some reason. So yes. the people <laughs> who enjoy it can now get it at a reasonable price. Yeah. Nirkana Revenant, staple Jeez. for Mono Black, and it was more than $20 for a long time. Yeah, random mythics that they only print once can get so expensive sometimes bunch of great reprints so good value in the set good value for players what are some of the new cards you want to talk about yeah so they push the power level so hard mm-hmm. in this set so like arcane artisan is very good and very cool like cheat out these fatties but also get like card selection like bramble sovereign which is kind of just a good staple I really liked Bonus Round a lot. It made so much sense. This set also had a bunch of goofy instants, so, like, the You Don't Lose the Game, which I don't actually like, but mm-hmm. I like that it exists. I really like Thrilling Encore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is such a funny, cool card. And there, there's other little things, Victory Chimes, like, it just is a mana rock that untaps on everyone's turn. I'm one day Generous I'll... Patron. Generous Patron. They're, like, cards that I'm one day going to try and find slots for that I haven't quite yet. On top of the, like, land cycle, which is, like, just so good for Commander in general. Mm-hmm. I also want to bring up Last One Standing. I think yeah. that's a really efficient board wipe that has a lot of fun to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you won't get one of the creatures you really wanted to get off the board, but it's 95% of the value you want out of a Wrath mm-hmm. at a cheaper cost than you'd be able to get it at most of the time. Yeah, and whenever the, like, Melanor Elf lives, that's fine. like that could be worse (laughs) there were also a ton of new warrior tribal effects we got like Mm -hmm. rush blade commander mind blade render blaring captain and one of the new warriors that that's actually my favorite card of the set that i really want to highlight is azra Oddsmaker. yes actually that's something i should have mentioned too (laughs) that card's so cool uh i really love discard outlets so it's a great way to do that just get something in your graveyard generate some card advantage over the course of a couple turns, it can really just get you a ton of value. Yeah, yeah. And at such a low cost. Definitely, like, please just give us more black discard outlets. Mm-hmm. Why Why are you so, so stingy st- with those? It doesn't make any sense. It's already, like, there are already cards in Legacy that bust this open. Like, who are you protecting? <laughs> Especially in these supplemental sets. So that's your probably favorite card, right? Yeah, that is my favorite card. Yeah, Grothama. That is just my favorite card for mm-hmm. so many reasons. It's funny because I haven't personally played with this card. I've seen it played and loved the concept of this card. Mm-hmm. But one day, one day I'll get to use this guy. It's so good at telling a story. Yeah, really. So very, very happy that exists and, and just was so happy with this. I thought it was going to be this goofy, terrible thing and then it ended up being wonderful so hopefully gavin verhey can do more sets like this yeah, in the future i'm really excited for battle bond to become a recurring thing like conspiracy yeah i hope so just crossing my fingers core set 2019 came out in july and there is so much to talk about here i guess we'll start with the the legendary creatures which which of these do you think are the most impactful <laughs> and the most important to the format the first one the most important one i think is arcady sabbath or arcady's the strategist that archetype technically existed but not really. He's so much better than Doran yeah. for that deck. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I like Goreclaw a lot, too. I think that's interesting. I do wish he was another color. This set, in general, seemed like they were actually like looking at magic mm-hmm. and looking at 
places it can go. And that made me feel like very good about the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if it's something that came out of the unique design process for yeah. this set. What they did with the set is they first designed the Planeswalker decks and figured out what those wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That informed the rest of the design, whereas normally the way they tend to design most sets is they design the set, then they make the Planeswalker decks for it. So this reverse process led to some really interesting veins of design. They dug deeper into areas that had really not gotten a lot of attention prior to this set. Yeah. Another commander I want to point out is Vivictus Asmati. Oh, yeah. So cool. So Jun Dex, one thing we learned in our EDH rec deep dive was <laughs> just how lacking Jund was for good commanders. So Vivictus Asmati, there's some room to build around him, but he's just like a powerful jund mostly good stuff commander yeah and i think that's considering that jund had nothing prior to this nothing even close prior to this yeah i think it opens up a new archetype of just like i'm gonna be jund and yeah i'll like set up the top card in my library a little bit but i just want to like control the board and yeah and just slowly like creep over top of you yeah which is yeah that i really i do like that guy as much as we because i feel like even though he is a value deck he plays more interesting than just like i cast damnation i cast a ramp spell i cast a big guy like you're actually doing something as you're getting your value which is much more interesting there's only one reprint that i want to mention but it's a doozy this set reprinted crucible of worlds which prior to core 2019 was about 75 dollars and now you can get it for about 15 thank jeebus so huge drop in price so much more accessible like i had a bunch of crucibles prior to the set and i'm still happy about it oh yeah because now i can get as many as i want yeah that was a thing is there's so many decks that i have even like monocolor decks are just decks in general that i wanted a crucible for that i'm like whoops no crucible for this deck because <laughs> I already got four and four decks, so mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I'm not going to drop this much money for this guy over here. Like, mm-hmm. Very pleased about that. And then in addition, there are just so many new cards that are relevant so to the many format. Cards. I've got a list of 15 cards here that are yeah, relevant, go, go, and, go, and that's go. just because I had to stop myself. I could have kept going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Cleansing Nova, so good. It's a a Wrath that also has the flexibility to hit artifacts and enchantments. Although it's part of White's Color Pie to hit artifacts and enchantments, it actually doesn't have that many good ways to do it. Yes, what? Why? I know, for for no good reason at all. It's like Austere Command and... And and yeah, and like not much. Yeah, so getting that flexibility on a a reasonably costed board wipe, which you're you're always going to have a use for that board wipe, and then having the additional option to sometimes clear away everything else. Yeah, like you pillow fort player really trolling you, cleansing Nova. Yeah, you're good. Attack him. It's great. This set was again like a sign that they are looking at the game and they're looking at how players play and thinking about what they need to add in in particular with the commanders in the set but also the reprints because we we didn't mention scapeshift and stuff and omniscience but like those are things that need reprinting and then these new cards that slot in so well that you have a bunch of lists i'm gonna let you keep going because i got really excited okay all right (laughs) uh nexus of fate yeah it sucked that it was only available as buy box promo yep but it's also the best win condition ever printed for a self-mill deck. Yeah, it's incredible. If you're able to mill yourself out, then 
all you need is one copy of Nexus of Fate in your deck, and you're good. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if they have counter spells for it. Well, still did its job. Uh-huh. Uh, and once they run out of counter spells, then you just win the game from there and it's just do you have any win condition in your deck at all or do you have a commander that can attack for damage okay you're fine yeah you did it congrats everybody meteor golem this is by far the best colorless answer to permanence other than i guess ugin yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but meteor golem is also like way more easy to recur much easier to tutor out it's cheaper on <laughs> <laughs> on multiple dimensions yeah Seder Enchanter, it's just getting us closer to that critical mass of Enchantress effects. Mm-hmm. I've, I've made criticisms before about Enchantress effects and like the cast trigger not being exactly what you want, but it's still good. It's still useful. You're still going to run it in your Tufasa oh, yeah. deck or oh, whatever. Totally, yeah. Elvish Rejuvenator, it's another Wood Elves effect for the decks that want those. Mm-hmm. And it also has the benefit of hitting lands without basic land types. Mm-hmm. Open the Graves, which seems yeah. great for like a... Sack value Yeah, sack deck. outlet decks. I'm thinking especially in Savra. You sack your Bloodgast, you get a black token that you can then sack to Savra. So yeah. super easy to keep the board clear. Liliana's Contract, great ratio of cards drawn per mana spent. It's yeah. like, it's not quite a promise of power, but it also has additional corner benefits like if you're playing a black enchantress deck like say daxos that returned mm-hmm. it being an enchantment matters a lot yeah and maybe you'll get four demons <laughs> <laughs> who knows <laughs> leonin war leader seems like a great addition to cat decks so arabo roar of the world is very happy to see that and it's also just good in like the white token variants that are around because yeah. it, it fills your board up so fast as long as it like survives combat mm-hmm. like it's great like just get a bunch of cats and if you have a token sacrifice deck like say tesa yeah you know these tokens are clampable you can feed them into stuff like attrition whatever it's wonderful yeah it's great mirror image if you are one of those deck that runs clones but doesn't maybe care so much about what your opponents are doing i'm thinking maybe like general tazri like if you tazri out like hagra diabolist yeah. And then you clone it, and you have two Diabolists and minimum three allies on the board. It's so easy for you to kill people yeah. at that point. <laughs> it takes so little effort. So Mirror Image is just another cheap clone that you can use to, to copy your most important creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also CMC 3 or less, that's relevant for things like Sun Titan. Yeah, so good. One with the Machine. Blue has a lot of ways to draw a lot of cards, but it's a solid reward for committing to artifacts goblin instigator uh relevant to things like krenko mm-hmm, perforo mm-hmm. seda salvager of secrets is another archaeomancer type effects for the decks that really want to loop those with time warps and yeah. combo out that way transmogrifying wand is yes a really good tool for artifact decks it's a great way to answer threats and if you're an artifact deck you might not be running colors that are great at getting rid of creatures oh yeah yeah. so if you're like in a blue artifact deck or something yeah turning their like six six dragon into a two four ox is a lot more manageable for Mm -hmm. you absolutely volley veteran it's the goblin flame tongue kabu for those sorts of decks so that's that's a great new addition to the format really helps out those tribal builds i just want to get into my my two favorites i couldn't choose between them So Goblin Trashmaster, he's a lord for goblins, pumps them plus one plus one, and he lets you sacrifice goblins to destroy artifacts. And then also Dark Dweller Oracle, which is a two cost two two goblin 
that lets you pay one and sacrifice a creature to impulse draw the top card of your library. Yeah, so good. So I'm a big fan of these for multiple reasons. It was really smart to make them goblins because there's so many decks that can efficiently generate goblins, and this is an awesome way to turn them into card advantage. Mm -hmm. Also, like, sack outlets in general, having access to more of those in red is great. I'm hoping that in the future they'll play more with Felden of the Third Path type red reanimation. Yeah. Or maybe, like, shift shallow grave type reanimation effects into red. So it opens up opportunities there. They are goblins themselves, so they work well in goblin tribal decks. These cards provide a lot for the dumb red goblin aggro decks to do. (laughs) It's a lot of play for not a lot of cost of putting them into your deck. It's not like this was an expensive goblin that did nothing and like pay two and sack a goblin to blow up an artifact. No, it's just like, here's a goblin lord, which you probably were going to play anyway. And here, you can blow up your artifacts now. And, like, having that kind of, like, versatility in those mono-red decks was needed. It's terrible when you have to choose between, like, do I want to dilute my goblin theme in order to have more answers to opponent stuff? Or in order to get ways to refill my hand and get card advantage? And it's like, you don't have to make a choice here. Like, this is this (laughs) goblin trash master. He's a goblin. He helps you other goblins. And he provides you with the ability to control your opponent's artifacts. Or Dark Dweller, it's like a goblin, gives you something to do with your tokens, and he can help you refill your hand after you've played out all your dudes. One of my favorites in this is Fraying Omnipotence, which is everyone loses half their life, discards half their cards, and sacks half their creatures, and you round up each time. I'm not a big fan of Group Slug, but I like really big effects that you can break symmetry on. When you're pitching half your hand, and you're forcing everyone to pitch half their hand, and everyone goes from 40 to 20, and everyone, like, board is just, like, cut in half, like, it's such a big effect for, like, not that much mana that you can very easily twist to your favor. I really like Nexus of Fate, too. Mm -hmm. That actually is probably one of my favorite cards in the set. I know people who complain about extra turn effects, and I understand that complaint. But I think that's for two reasons. One, because people play extra turn effects really bad a lot of the time. So people like don't quite understand when or how to use the extra turn. And or people don't understand when they've lost. <laughs> so like, yes, I'm taking a long time on my infinite turns. <laughs> Would you like to scoop before I get to my win condition? No? Okay, I'm going to keep going then. <laughs> So that kind of thing, like, I know that that's not fun because, like, I mean, in in theory, they could mess up somehow, and then you get a chance to, like, I understand why people do this or why they play it out, because they don't want to, like, give up on a game they could have won, but I really like Nexus of Fate. I think it is the best version of this we got. I like that it's an instant, and it is such a shame that they put it into the world the way they did. So in August of this year, we got Commander 2018. We've spent many episodes talking about this, but it was great. It opened up so many new archetypes, and the principle behind the design was just meeting players' needs, and I really hope that they take that into the future and continue to do that with future commander sets and maybe even other products. I also hope that they don't take the wrong lesson out of the commander community's backlash against this product. I think that it got a lot more hate than it deserved. Like People were upset about reprints and... And value of decks. And made the entire narrative around these products negative, Mm -hmm. when really it should have been, thank you so much for (laughs) giving us what we wanted. Can you also give us more value in the future? There are some weird new cards they printed, yeah. But the commanders are just like, 
so many home runs, like so many more than in a normal year. Mm-hmm. And this is this year too, like when we already had Dominaria and we already had Battlebond, and then this comes out and we have even more commanders that are fun and diverse and like interesting and new avenues are opened up. That's a really good thing for the format and hopefully for the future. Yeah, there there were so many new archetypes come out of this. I'm just going to give you my top five. Yeah, go for it. Lord Windgrace. He really made the lands deck into something viable and unique. Yuriko, Ninja yeah, Tribal. Definitely. So many people are happy about that. I've seen so many threads on the EDH subreddit about Yuriko. Tuvasa, it's really the Enchantress commander that we needed, minus a slight uh, no. imperfection in the color identity. <laughs> Brutaclad, a friend of ours built oh, a Brutaclad yeah. deck, and it's it's really impressive. It is really, like, when it's happening, it is it is happening. It is on, and you can do some really degenerate things with it. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. And then Verena Lich Queen, really effective tribal zombie commander, like... Yeah, you're looting, so you're not really going up on cards, but it really works to the advantages of the tribe in that a lot of the time, like, discarding zombies is basically the same as keeping them in your hand. And I feel like we were even lower on some of these cards when we first saw them, and now after, like, playing with them especially, like, I love a lot of these these commanders. Like, I didn't think I would enjoy Lord Windgrace, or, like, I didn't think I would think he was as good as he ended up being, like... Verena seemed kind of weird, like, why did you put this here? And then, like, watching it happen is like, oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we were given artifact commanders, too, for red-blue that aren't just degenerate uh, combo yeah. machines, which is cool. I mean, Sahili, like, is arguably can be pretty degenerate. Yeah. You win with some pretty degenerate things, but, like, Taunos is... Highly fair. Highly fair. He's a very, very good boy. He's looking at you with his raised eyebrows, mm-hmm. like, here you go. Guess where I'm going to put this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, this set was wonderful. Like, I, do you want to talk about any of the cards that you really liked? I don't have experience with all of these, but I've yeah. heard some positive feedback for them. Mm-hmm. I know that the command zone they really are into win grace's judgment yeah which is the, the five mana instant that for each opponent destroy target non-land permanent that player controls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they, they've been really impressed with that one treasure nabber is treasure nabber great is... it can itself be ramp it could also just be a null rod and shut off your opponent's artifact ramp yeah because they're like i want you to have this yeah. and you're like that's fine too <laughs> i'll accept that yeah Whip Tongue Hydra is another awesome card for Green's toolbox. Yeah. Like, Green has so many tutor effects, and they can really multiply the effect of any good creature they get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that's why Bane of Progress is so ubiquitous, not because there's a lot of redundancy within, like, there's not a whole lot of Bane of Progresses out there, uh-huh. but there are a whole lot of tutors to get Bane of Progress. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you get it every game you need. And Whiptong Hydra serves that exact same role, is yeah. you only have one in your deck, but you only need one in your deck. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. I like Octopus Umbra as yeah. a way for blue Voltron decks to just get a huge amount of power on their commander immediately, and also a ton of protection. Yeah. My personal favorite to come out of the set is Primordial Mist. Yeah, the card's so cool. <laughs> uh, Primordial Mist wasn't something that came out with a lot of fanfare, but it's a very <laughs> strange, cool card. It's five mana enchantment, and at the beginning of 
your end step you manifest. Mm -hmm. And then you can exile a face down creature you control and play that card. So if you manifest like a land, you can play that land. If you manifest a creature, you can play that creature. If you manifest a spell, you can play that spell. So it's not only a great way to get creatures on the board, but it's a way to turn those into extra cards in hand. I'm going to like highlight some of the weird ones that I'm really happy they printed, even if they didn't like super pan out. Sure. But like I really liked Knight Incarnate. I really liked Evoke in general, mm -hmm. and I think this card is really interesting and can do some interesting things in different decks. I really love Reality Scramble. Mm. This might be like my favorite card next to some of the ones you mentioned, just because like putting Retrace on this kind of goofy effect lets you do so many interesting things. And I just think Reality Scramble in general is like such an interesting, an interesting way to get this effect into people's hands because you can mill it too. Like you could like Faithless Looting. Put it in your graveyard, and then when you need to start reality scrambling, like, you just start doing that. Here's Wonderful. what you do. You get some sort of self-mill combo in place, right? Yep, yep. Uh, you have a legendary Eldrazi in your deck. Okay. You mill until you have everything, like your entire graveyard in your, your entire library in your graveyard, except for the legendary Eldrazi. <laughs> and then you cast. And then your reality scramble. Guaranteed get that Ulamog Bam. or Kozilek. Zayum. Yeah. It's <laughs> And then of course you got anger in your graveyard, so it comes down and annihilates immediately. Oh crazy. And then I also liked Eryxmisthes, a slumbering isle. Like this is not a powerhouse, but I like when they do these weird angles on cards. Mm -hmm. I like like the puzzle of like, can I use this? How would I use this? Is this good? I don't know if this is good. Like that these kind of cards provide like the fact that your commander's a land mm -hmm. like what do i do i'm still thinking about this card and i i have not yet to play with it <laughs> just because i keep sitting there like do i want to try this do i want to build this and i think that is something interesting like it's those kind of weird off the off kilter designs that kind of pay out as the years go by as more cards get printed mm -hmm. so i like when they kind of go into that space and carve out room for the future for all of the faults it had and this is pretty this is also a theme of this year for all the faults that the release had mm -hmm. it did so many things right at the same time of those five new commanders i mentioned those those highlights uh -huh. i've made three of them and <laughs> somebody else in my playgroup made another one like the, the set is spurring the creation of so many decks all right, the next major release this year came in October, and it was Guilds of Ravnica. Yeah, you might have, might have heard of it. There's a few commanders I want to mention. There aren't that many commanders that really open up new archetypes or seem <laughs> super fun to play with. Yep. I want to mention Niv-Mizzet Parum. Not only does he have the combo potential of the original Niv-Mizzet in that you can just throw a curiosity effect on him and instantly win the game. But he also is like a really powerful spell combo commander in that like suddenly all your cantrips draw you an additional card or your rituals draw you cards. Yeah. So it's really easy to combo off with him in multiple ways. And sometimes what you're doing is just like, well, I'm going to just play all these cheap spells and mana generating spells until I get to my curiosity effect. And then that's how I'm actually going to win the game. Mm -hmm. He's a good addition to the format yeah i'd um, say that gives you additional options i also really like azoni yeah azoni is awesome because it's a great 
graveyard-based sack outlet. It's a good alternative to Savra. Yeah. Rather than spending all your time controlling the board and what everyone else is doing, like you get to just draw a bunch of cards and you get this army. So it's mm-hmm. like Savra sometimes had the the difficulty winning. Yeah, after you um, started because you're sacking cards. all your creatures. <laughs> yeah. But Izoni is canned army. She's great value generation so i made and have been having a blast with lazav the multifarious it's just an interesting take on a graveyard deck because it's so like personally focused and there's a bunch of weird tech like i'm still trying to find stuff to do with this commander because there there's not really an easy search you can do for it like you look for like tap and then you can look for like cmc you can look for so many things but it's because your commander is so cheap, you can create these engines with weird cards that are much easier to assemble and better than I thought. You're just getting value until all of a sudden there's something in there. Maybe that's like Pillapala and Palladium or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Tree of Perdition and Pillapala. Like it doesn't. There's just so many weird combos you can kind of do with it. Or like once you get Necroticus in there. Necroticus, if you can make Lazava Necroticus, like Having Ghoul Lich. Yeah, Having Ghoul Lich. There, there's the those combos are really good. Yeah, I was actually really impressed seeing your Lazav deck go. My oh, initial you. impression of Lazav was not that great and then seeing what you did with it i was like oh man this guy's got a lot more going for him than i yeah and avenomancer is still my favorite thing to do with that deck Mm -hmm. like the fact that you like you're like end of turn three mana kill your guy bounce my commander play him for two surveil pass like it's (laughs) so strong like and in this set in particular that was kind of devoid of good commanders i was very happy I don't agree with their choice to yeah. cut out half the legendary creatures in favor of planeswalkers. Yeah, because yeah, nobody's playing brawl. <laughs> yeah, it's... so it's really just cutting down your options for commander. So sad. Who you really should be thinking about with every single set. Yeah, and making there's... these kinds of structural decisions just pisses us off. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that they really are in denial of how much of the player base plays commander yeah. too. Because so many people... Like, Commander drives prices now on cards. Mm-hmm. That was unheard of, like, a few years ago. Yeah. So it's it's really... And you only need one. It's You only need one copy of a card in your deck for and Commander. And it's still having a massive yeah. influence. Yeah, so that means there's at least four times as many people as, like, a normal format mm-hmm. who want that. <laughs> so it's pretty... It's insane. I want to make a contrast. Like, this is something I kind of didn't notice beforehand. Uh-huh. But in summarizing these sets and like looking at them at a really high level, you can pick things out that you normally can't. And I, I think that like Core Set 2019 was notable, and, and one of the reasons I liked it so much was because so many of the cards were very niche mm-hmm. and they were very relevant to like one or two decks. Yeah, and there were a ton of cards like that. Like I'm just gonna make this player happy. Whereas with Guilds of Ravnica, the power is a lot more just generically good. Like, there's so many more things that are just likely to become format staples in Guilds of Ravnica as opposed to Magic 2019. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah. I I, I agree with you. I mean, like, there there are some very, very strong cards in the set that I think you've written some of the ones that I was going to mention down. Like, 
just to mention two that are on my screen right now is like Beast Whisperer. Mm-hmm. This card is incredible. This card has been incredible for years. Now it costs four mana. This this can go in any green deck. This can go in any green deck, and it will be good. It mm-hmm. will draw you a bunch of cards, and I like that Beast Whisperer exists, but also this doesn't really add anything mm-hmm. other than like makes decks that want this kind of card more efficient. And that's not like really changing the format in any way. I think the poster child for this is Assassin's Trophy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is just the most efficient and flexible removal spell in the game. Yeah, and probably because it blows up everything. Uh, lands, too. Any deck that yeah. can run it probably should run it. Probably should. And so it's got that like soul ring problem of, well, now I just have one fewer card slot to work with. Yeah. Because I know it's it's optimal to run this card in basically any situation. And there's other cards like that, too, like Night of Autumn. Yeah, Night of Autumn is so good. <laughs> yeah. like so good. Reclamation Strage has just always been a strong card. Harmonic Sliver and uh, Night of Autumn just is another one of those effects that you should probably run in addition to the others. Yeah, I think the, you actually listed all the ones I was going to say. Do you want to just go through them? I mean, I, yeah, I could, I could keep going. Like <laughs> Goblin Crater Maker. Yeah. There's tons of artifacts in this format. There's plenty of good cheap utility creatures like crater maker is always going to have a target plague crafter yeah. <laughs> is just a better version of merciless executioner and flesh bag marauder so cards that people were already playing yeah just uh man it's it is really crazy midnight reaper is a little more niche in the sense that like you're going to be running a deck that is sacrificing creatures bounty agent that's not very niche that's just generally useful because everyone's deck has like one legendary creature yeah. so it's always going to have a good target yeah i, I agree there, there are more even like legion war boss it just makes more goblin tokens that doesn't really add anything to the format and these are like the most exciting cards like the, there are some cards that i am going to mention like my favorites at the end but like in general there's just so many of these like effects that are just good, like city white bus destroy all creatures with four toughness or greater. That's just it's just a good card. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that there are just so few weird cards. Yeah, in this set, like my favorite sets have been the ones with like a huge number of very strange cards, like Fate Reforged. That was a weird set. Yeah. Eldritch <laughs> Moon. That was a weird set. Core 2019. That was that, a weird set. It was a weird set, and that was a core set, which but, is wonderful. Because you're just getting cards that you would normally never see in a, in a magic set. Just the sets where you're getting cards, it's like, man, it's entirely possible that this card would never have gotten printed yeah. ever, but it did, and I'm happy about it. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of this stuff is business as usual. Like This is just tweaks on things we've seen many times before yeah i totally agree with that so i uh, do do you have a favorite card you want to talk about As, pulling away all of the generically good chaff is there a favorite card you like from a pure power level standpoint i'm i'm just happy that goblin crater maker exists because it's just a red staple oh yeah it's very good that's just going to be in place from now on but if i'm following my heart <laughs> if I'm I'm going after what what really excites me, I'd have to say Dawn of Hope. That's probably my honorable mention. Yeah, Dawn of Hope, for those who don't know, it's a white enchantment. And it's unique in that whenever you gain life, you can pay two mana and draw a card. It also makes 1-1 soldiers with lifelink. Yeah. But white almost never gets card draw. 
And this hints at a potential future where white can maybe draw more cards in, in certain circumstances. In certain circumstances, yeah, for real. So it's it's kind of I'm sort of getting that same feeling I got when I first saw Mentor of the Meek. Yes, yeah, which would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my favorite cards to keep the the theme going. My favorite card would probably be Experimental Frenzy. Mm-hmm. The memes like Red Guts Enchantment Destruction is funny. Short-term, long-term advantage is, like, an interesting way to do it, where, like, over the course of the game, this might let you play more cards, but it also might hose you really bad in certain circumstances. This is probably my favorite card next to Lazav. And I do want to give an honorable mention to Amara, new Amara. I think she's good. I like that they made up for the abomination that was Amara Tandris <laughs> in Dragon's Maze. <laughs> yeah, they really needed to, though. Um, and I think there's a lot of play with this card, like... Within green, you've got a lot of cool opportunities to tap creatures for benefit, like yeah. Earthcraft, Song of Frailize, Cryptolith, right? Yeah. So it, it, there are a lot of like non-just combat ways to tap. This actually might be one of the best cards ever for symbiotic deployment. <laughs> the best Can you commanders. mention a symbiotic deployment for the people who might not be... <laughs> familiar with this format staple all right guess i'll pander to him so this is two and a green for an enchantment you skip your draw step and then you can pay one and tap two untapped creatures you control to draw a card amara makes a ton of creatures and wants to be tapped so once you've got like you know maybe four guys on the battlefield you can start really pulling ahead yeah so in November, we saw the release of Game Night. Oh, yeah. And there were unique cards in this set, one of which I think it is Commander Relevant. Yeah. And it is Rot Hulk, which is a seven mana zombie. And when it enters the battlefield, you can return up to X zombie creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the number of opponents you have. And its uh, base stats are five, five minutes for seven. Yeah, not, not bad. Yeah, so if you're running a tribal zombie deck... You know, you get three cards back. That's pretty darn strong. Yeah, for seven, that's that's great. I know. I know that. Um, from I can say from experience that Verena has a big issue with (laughs) uh, folding to wraths. Yeah. (laughs) So having a card that is itself a zombie and can rebuild your board after a wipe, that's kind of exactly what the deck wants. Yeah, wonderful. They've streamlined announcement day to like two times a year, Mm -hmm. except not. And, like, they didn't even tell us about a lot of these releases at Announcement Day. They were just like, yeah, we're going to go back to Ravnica. So, like, I would have liked to have known about Game Nights (laughs) or, like, the Guild Kits. Like, anything. (laughs) Like, it was so strange. But uh, we also got one more uh, surprise set coming out right here in December. It is Ultimate Masters. Yes. I don't think we're going to talk too much about it being that it's a reprint set. The execution for this set was fairly botched. If this had just come out like a normal master set, this would have been heralded as the best master set ever. Mm-hmm. It did everything they set out to for master sets. It put needed reprints out in the world. It was draftable. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like these cards are things that people want. And even like down through all rarities like yeah the mythics in this set are insane and chase rares and stuff like that but even if you get to like the rares and uncommons 
Like, they did a good job. I was really excited to see a Grave Scrabbler not in horrible futures yeah. shifted frame. <laughs> yeah, I like, I mean, even just, like, become immense and, like, the incarnations, like, Brawn, Anger are here. Mm-hmm. Like, those, that's wonderful. Like, Buried Alive reprint, that was so needed. Like, mm-hmm. so many things. Dakmore Salvage, like, there's no reason that should have ever been more than a dollar. <laughs> yeah, there's so many cards in this that they get the legendary frame. Yeah. It might be their first time in the post mm-hmm. m15 frame yeah there's a lot of new art great art in this yeah. set. yeah prismatic lens is not a card i use very often mm-hmm. but like this new one makes so much more sense than the weird yeah like gray husk that was the old one <laughs> can i just briefly run through yeah go some for of it. these reprints that are notable for multiple reasons urborg tomb of yagmoth yes looking at what the price is like on tcg player these days this version is now 10 bucks Thanks to this reprint. And the art is great. It looks better than the the art in previous versions. Yeah, it's so much nicer. There's Demonic Tutor, which really hasn't been reprinted since, like, the dual deck, Divine versus Demonic. Basically, this new art is so much better. Looking like it's coming from the scrapped Ixalan masterpieces. Yeah. Mana Vault, I was really pleased about that. Yes. It's the first time you can get Mana Vault in the M15 border it's the first time you can get it in new border uh-huh. with From... the exception of like the kaladesh masterpiece yeah and and this is the vintage masters art which was cool so excited to see this because all mine had been from like fifth edition just relics you know <laughs> ancient tomb yeah with new oh, art yes m15 border not disgusting ftv foiling yes it looks great and it's gonna be like 20 bucks to pick these up the the Eldrazi Titans, they get the cool legendary yeah. crown. I know they'd been reprinted not that long ago in Modern Masters 2015, but they, continuing to lower the price on these is good, and, and I, yeah. I really do like that crown. Honestly, if they reprint these cards like every two years, that's probably fine. Because yeah. especially if the game continues gaining players, you're going to continue gaining need for Emrakuls and Kozilex, like... That just is how it is. Yeah, I think they're showing that these staples like have a lot of reprint equity. It's yeah. not like a Imperial Recruiter issue where it's just, oh, we only printed these in the Chinese history set yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah, it's like, no, like Vengevine is something that we need to reprint more of. And we can, and it will still retain value because it's just that many people want it. Micaeus the Unhallowed. <laughs> that was like a twenty twenty five dollar card. Had only been printed once. It's very very popular among the players. Yeah, clearly people are uh, going to be able to get their hands on that a little bit more easily now. Temporal manipulation had only been printed in Portal Second Age and then as a Judge promo. Yeah, so not the most attainable card. This is the first time in the M fifteen border, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Previously, market price for this card had been like seventy dollars on the Portal Second Age version. $75 on the Judge promo, and now you can get it for 20 bucks. Life from the Loam, that Ooh. had really recently skyrocketed in price yeah. because of, like, Vengevine decks, I think. Yeah, yep. Now it's under 10 bucks, and it's first time in M15 border. Yeah. Glenelendra Archmage, new art, M15 border, cheaper. Fauna Shaman, mm-hmm. now you can get these for, like, 4 bucks. Thanks. Yes. Divines. Woodfall Primus, that had been, like, 10 12 bucks. Now it's, like, two dollars yes phyrexian tower Woo! with this like rad art super cool art although i was a big fan of the, the previous art with me Chippy. too uh, yeah yeah first time in new border first time in m15 
It's got the legendary frame, new art, using the diamond colorless yeah. <laughs> mana symbol. Now you can get it for 10 bucks. It was like 50 <sighs> earlier. Phyrexian Altar. The new art is huge improvement. Previously, <laughs> it was Sabo Tabak's dumbass face. The whole art was confusing and weird and hard to look at. To add insult to injury, it was 40 bucks. Yeah. Now you get it in M15 Border. New art. It's got the Phyrexian writing on it. I don't know if anyone's bothered to decipher what that says. Maybe someone has. I hope so. And it's way cheaper. It's like 16 17 bucks. And that might continue to drop. We're recording this just like a week after the set's release. Yeah. <laughs> Could go even lower. Yeah. Dark Depths is a card that... Yeah. It's something that I had kind of like shut myself off from the idea of ever owning. Because uh-huh. uses are so niche and it was so expensive. Yeah, there wasn't really a point. But now, like, I have a lands deck. It's not unreasonable for me to go like Realms Uncharted for like Thespian Stage and a Dark Depths. Mm-hmm. And like a Petrified Field or whatever. Yep. And it's it's dropped down to I think like twenty dollars. Gamble. I just want more people to own gambles. It had weird, goofy art, but the, not not a huge fan of that art. I thought that the Eternal Masters was art much better. Was a lot better. I agree. We've gone through all of the major releases from the past twelve months. What would you like to see in the future? What are your hopes for 2019 in anything related to Commander or Magic the Gathering? This year was the most releases like Wizards has ever done. This is like the most sets, the most cards they've ever printed in one year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And part of that is really good because their philosophy is like, we're going to print these products for these players. And that's awesome. And that's kind of what I hope they continue to do is I hope... That they continue to look at Legendary as a type and realize, like, what are the implications of this? Not just using it as, like, a standard card balance, but tuning their designs with these creatures in particular to be archetypes or, like, little windows into a commander deck that might not exist yet. And I know that in Ravnica Allegiant, which comes out in early this next year, in 2019... Um, we're probably going to get more, like, guilds. They kind of already said that. And and also we're going to get one less legendary creature this next coming set. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Bolas has got one more of the guilds under his thumb or something like that. So, like, that's Yeah, my... I'm so stoked that my favorite guild is one of the ones that got shafted. Yeah, Isn't that's... That great? Uh... Oh, yeah, mine did too. That sucks. They've been talking about the Ravnica fights Bolas set as if it's very similar to Dominaria in various ways. So that gives me hope because they're like, we think you'll love Dominaria. And then we did. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, we think you'll love this, I think that... You're myself, willing to trust them. I'm willing to trust them. They can hurt me this time. Yeah, I think they've built up enough equity like and trust over the past year. It's like, okay, I'll I'll close my eyes. You, you lead my hand. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think really my hopes for next year is that they continue looking at the niches that can exist in magic and fleshing them out. I think they're going to release a different version of a reprint set this year, being that they're like, this is the last master set. And I don't know what that means, but I'm hoping that they do a better job with that. Uh And I'm also hoping that they print more sets like Battle Bond where they can print new cards. Or like the Game Nights where they put in a cycle of new cards I want them to give themselves the power to print what they need to print, because really, they can. 
Like, they're setting the rules for themselves. I know you have some ideas. Is there any, like, specifics that you want to get into? I would like to see a change in how the rules committee runs things. I'd like them to be more transparent. I want to be sure that they're using data to drive their decision making Mm -hmm. because I don't know how they make their decisions these days. I'd like to see more batching technology. One thing I really liked about Battle Bond is how part of their design was like when possible design cards to fill holes in cubes yes oh no that because that benefits commander so much yeah i think that was great like i have a cube and seeing a, a set that was designed for me that's that was awesome yeah <laughs> this wasn't quite within the purview of like the 2018 retrospective but like they also did a similar thing with unstable yeah and how they like tried to use that set to inject things into cube and they had some winners too We've talked about this before, but <laughs> clearly with Dominaria, they were leading into a second chapter in which Teferi returns Zalfir. He phases it back in. Yeah. There were so many threads that they had put into place on the cards, in the stories. They were really clearly building towards that. And then they just like, we'll do a core set instead. And they gave us huge blue balls on that narrative. So I would really, really like to see a return to Jamura, like, some of the first magic cards I ever bought were from Mirage. Yeah. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. It was such a unique experience. I had never seen fantasy done like that before. Yeah. And still, like, it's something that is not present in fantasy. Yeah, in, in, yeah, in just, like, the greater focus of fantasy in public, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it probably won't happen too soon because they have that lag time in terms of, like, getting feedback on the decisions they and make. And also they want to, like have a rotation of planes instead of going the same place every time. I want yeah. to introduce new planes, but I want to go back. Also, in terms of like narrative threads, I'd like to see them pick up. I would really like to see a return to Theros. It's been pretty long at this point. I think 2014 was when Journey into Nyx was. 2019, that'll be five years later. Which is usually about their what they do for that kind of thing. And and of course, they've like left the thread hanging of like, what about Elspeth? We know she's in the underworld. We've They gave a hint at her when they did the mythic edition of yeah. Guilds of Ravnica. And it's possible that they might want to bring her back into the story so that they can go back to New Phyrexia. Like, one of the few things we know about Elspeth's backstory is that her homeworld was destroyed by the Phyrexians and... Other than Karn and Koth, I guess. She is one of the only characters who really are aware of the threat posed by the Phyrexians and and really focused on stopping them. So it might make sense to go back to Theros in order to set up the return to New Phyrexia in the same way that like a lot of different things had to happen to set up the Bolas confrontation. Yeah, like like Ixalan or something like that. Yeah. A return to Theros would be great, and there's a lot of reasons I want this. I'm really excited for the opportunity to maybe get more enchantment creatures. Yes. Mark Rosewater on his blog recently said that on the storm scale, enchantment creatures are four. So it's something that's very likely to happen, and I'm I'm hoping that we get to see an, an execution of Theros that's more in line with, like, please just give us an Enchantment Matters yes. set. I think they've shot themselves in the foot a few times doing that, like Theros. But everyone's like, oh, cool, an Enchantment set. And they're like, no, Greek. And everyone's like, oh, where are the Enchantments? Just wait eight months, guys. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened with Kaladesh, too. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, it's a like India-inspired plane. And everyone's like, where's the Indian stuff? And they're like, but... So I think that if we do go back, they hopefully will now focus that, yeah. on Enchantments. 
they kind of learn their lesson. That's definitely one thing I really want to see is going back to Theros. On a related note, I think because Theros is leading New Phyrexia, I'm also really excited to go back to New Phyrexia. Yes, I want to see that so bad. It's been a very long time yes. since the end of Scars of Mirrodin God, book. Yeah. And we've only gotten like the tiniest hints. Like everyone who's really invested in New Phyrexia... You, you get like dribs and drabs like oh elish norn is on this route art or like koth still fighting them on yeah. this phyrexian arena art yeah it's like oh this serum visions that's clearly jin yeah like, yeah and I, I was really excited in the dominarian storyline to see like okay karn is making this a priority and he's trying to assemble the tools he needs to take out the phyrexians they haven't forgotten about this narrative for years too i've been wanting this what is going on in New Phyrexia? Like, I want to see the new Father of Machines Avenger. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they said he's dead. Like, of course he's dead, but he died on New Phyrexia. Uh-huh. Like, he might not have a spark, but like they could do anything with a body over there. Yeah, especially a body of a teleportation mage. <laughs> like, know where this is going, and it's like yeah, I know no. where this is going for so long. If Karn was really smart, he would have taken that brain with him when he plays log. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm excited for and hope that they do a good job with expanding the magic lore. Because that's one of the things they've released the books with sets and stuff like that. But uh, at the San Diego Comic-Con this year, I got to talk to Mara a little bit. And one of the things I asked him was, it's been 25 years and we still don't know much about like the nature of the spark and planeswalking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just kind of nodded as I was saying this, and uh, I was like, is there a supplemental set or something that we're going to get to learn more about this in the future? And he was like, in the coming years, we have non-card versions to explain a lot of this, is what he said. Non-card versions, meaning like novels and stories? Like, Yeah, which is what I assume is like maybe board games, comics, stories. That's actually something I'm interested in seeing. Give us an insight into the multiverse that magic has created more thoroughly and more well edited <laughs> than past magic novels. <laughs> That's something I would really, I'm really wanting for this next year. Uh-huh. One thing I want to do really briefly is go through the short list. So, the short list is ideas for planes that are often requested, and Wizards has heard those requests. Yeah. So, this list was developed many years ago, like probably four years ago or something. And a lot of these items have been crossed out in the intervening years. So, I think that like seeing what has not yet been done might be a might, good window. Exactly, into where they might potentially be going other than returns yeah. in the next year or so. First on the list Egyptian world. Check. Uh, all right, fairy tale world hasn't been done, but it might correspond to an existing world like Lorwyn or Shadowmore. Yeah, they said that they don't like Lorwyn in regards to the fairy tale world. So I think that if we do get a fairy tale world, it'll be new. It'll mm-hmm. be like a different kind of take on it. That is a shame. I did really like the feel of Shadowmore. I yeah, I love Shadowmore <laughs> so much. Next, we've got High Fantasy or Camelot World. You could probably consider Dominaria having crossed that yeah, off. There they was... definitely did that with Benalia. Yeah, like the focus on knights and wizards. Yeah. Indian World? Okay. Yep. So we kind of got, got that one. Yeah, Kaladesh. Especially, like, there's a whole rest of the world that, that hasn't been need. explored. Exactly. Mesoamerican World. It's excellent. Yeah. We got that. Murder Mystery slash Noir World. This one, actually, well, they might do something that focuses more specifically on this, 
But when they were talking about the art direction of Guilds of Ravnica, mm-hmm. they said that they wanted it to feel darker and more like noir, mm-hmm. just to match the fact that like there's political upheaval and there's something dark coming in the near future, which yeah. is Bolas's invasion. Yeah. We've also got Pirate World. Okay, well, that's also Ixalan. Yeah, they were able to wedge that one in there. Prehistoric World. That one's arguable because we do have the dinosaurs on Ixalan. Yeah. Ixalan could have looped a bunch of these together, but Prehistoric could be a bunch of different things. Yeah. Prison World. Well, that one's completely open. Yeah. Yeah. That one could be cool. Yeah. Roman World. We've we've gotten a a hint at this. Like, Lycia Sanguine Tribune is very clearly from a Roman-inspired world. Yeah. And then also in Plane Chase, there are some planes that are very, like roman inspired Mm -hmm. so that's could be one of those that they rename kind of like they did with tarkir yeah the only tricky thing is like it's they're going to have to be very careful to distinguish it visually from theros yeah yeah next we've got sky world yeah that that's completely open yeah (laughs) steampunk world kaladesh Kaladesh, yeah. yeah underground world that's completely open that's something they could do yeah Viking slash Norse world. This is probably my the one that I want to see them do the most. Like, I'd love to see magic Vikings <laughs> play so much. There's definitely, like, canon planes that this could align with, like Kaldheim. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that is a place they could go. Although I'm, I'm curious to see how they'd execute that, because, like, I feel like a lot of the tropes aren't that different from what we typically get in magic. It's, like, mm-hmm. barbarians and berserkers and... I think that it would translate really well to a magic set because of that like you would get like a lot more maybe like shamans Mm -hmm. um druids druids as opposed to like wizards or something like that which would be cool that's Mm -hmm. kind of a cool thing uh you'd get boats so any boat fans out there want some more vehicles bring back snow mana yeah that'd be pretty cool water world not something they've done but it's also something they could maybe expand upon on Ixalan? Maybe. Like, yeah. the, the pirates do have a floating city. Yeah, so there could be more of that out there. Yeah. Wild West-inspired world. That one I'm I'm really excited for. That would be very cool, but unlike a lot of these other ones where we've seen glimpses of what that could look like on Plane Chase or whatever, we haven't seen any sort of hints yeah. at what a Wild West world would look like. Yeah, I'm wondering what that would be, too, because guns yeah. are, like, a big part of that well <laughs> i feel like Mar- maro's addressed this on this blog and he said they'll like, be more like spell slingers rather than gunslingers oh, okay. yeah that's the entirety of the short list of these i'd be really excited to see a, a wild west inspired world that would be very cool if we were to hit that in the next year i've gm'd so many wild west campaigns in D mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's i just love like deserts and like the cowboy tropes so much and like maritime stuff i think that both of those are great so I'm interested to see what the next new plane... I would venture to guess there's no way we're not going to a new plane after the boss fight mm-hmm. on Ravnica. We spent an entire year on Ravnica, basically. And then before, like, Dominaria, Return, a yeah. year on Ravnica, there's got to be some sort of new exactly. thing. Because then it's going to be this, and then Ravnica fight, and then Corset. So the first new set we're going to get is the Fall set and that's going to be the first new setting potentially in a year and a half i would venture that there's no way it's not Mm -hmm. a brand new plane 
<laughs> just because they've got so many complaints when they announce, yeah, we're going to be in Ravnica for forever. Yeah. Like, you know how we went off the block model? Here's the Ravnica block. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you, you want to see in the new year? I would like to see more attempts at, like, gameplay variants. I like Explorers of Ixalan. I like Plane Chase. I want to see, like, something kind of like that. Because mm-hmm. I, I, as much as I enjoyed Battlebond as a set and, like, enjoy Two-Headed... It used to be the case that there are tons of different, like, micro formats, basically. Like, mm-hmm. variations on how to play. But Wizards officially supporting a few of them has kind of collapsed. Exactly. Yeah. So I would like to see, like, an attempt on that. That's one of the reasons I was, like, so into Brawl. Was I'm like, yeah, yeah, more cool ways to use these cards. I would like more things for white. I think this last year a lot of my favorite cards were red cards because mm-hmm. they pushed red so hard. I would like to finally, like... To play white. I really hope that white is better in the new year and in the future. I think that we've addressed some of the ways that could be done in the past. Yes. Building around their strengths, expanding their design space a little bit, maybe into the catch-up realm. Like, playing into their fairness and making it so that if you're way far ahead of me, I get to catch up to you. Or, yeah. like, redistribute resources. Like, that feels very white. Like, communism and making yeah. sure, like, there's a floor of suffering yeah. that you can't go below. Yeah, that, like, raising everyone up to a level of decency. Yeah. I wouldn't mind to see a shake-up in the, the current Gatewatch. Yeah. Yeah. They need a new Black Planeswalker. Uh, Kaya's Black Planeswalker. That is true. <laughs> that is, I mean, honestly, that Kaya might be. What if Kaya becomes part of the Gatewatch? That could. Can, she's going to be on Ravnica. The the fact that she's on the cover of the novel makes me think that like she has a change of heart or something. Like she just doesn't know who Bolas is. All they really have to do is get her in a room and be like, "Hey, just so you know, the guy you're working for is kind of a dick." Yeah, you know how you're going to kill these ghosts, and she's like, "Yeah," and she's like, "What if? What if the killing... ghosts are the good guys?" <laughs> Yeah, for real. I, I really don't think she has, like, a big stake in the fight. I mean, maybe the novel will prove me wrong. Cause mm-hmm. Did that one come out? Am I just so far behind? No, that one's coming out okay. in April. You're good. Okay. Whew. Another change I'm hoping for in the new year, how they handle certain guilds. The ones I most care about out of the Ravnica Allegiance guilds are Orzov and Rakdos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm worried for those ones you just mentioned, though. Yeah. These are the worst colors. Yeah. <laughs> so please give them what they need to be more competitive in Commander. Yeah. One thing we saw in the EDH rec deep dive was Orzov had fewer oh, solid God. commanders than we thought they had. I remember vividly being like, oh, wow, this is not... Not as good as I not imagined. Not as good as I thought it was. And same with Rakdos. Like, we looked at Rakdos and it's like, there were a lot of times where they came close to being what you needed them to be and yeah. then failed. So, like, if we got a Rakdos commander that was a discard outlet, that would potentially add an archetype of the format. Yep. I think there's more opportunities for sack outlet commanders mm-hmm. in Rakdos. Mm-hmm. Those are things that just naturally align with what the guild wants to do, but could also do a lot of good work in commander. And then Orzov. There's so many things I could do that they just haven't yet. Like, focusing on CMC-based reanimation. Yeah. More life gain rewarding more commanders. More life gain, Yeah. I guess I do have one more hope for the future, which is not necessarily even magic-related. It's podcast-related. I feel like they've gotten better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have been technically learning new things, and I'm soon we'll be upgrading the setup that we used to record this, so it should be even clearer, stuff like that. So that's something I'm looking forward to. I think to. the editing's gotten tighter. The editing has definitely gotten tighter. We're just going to get better at that as this goes on, too, because, like, 
this is something we do for fun, so we don't have like a million hours to pour into the editing process, but we're getting better. Hopefully you noticed that. <laughs> and and we're also looking for more opportunities to involve you all. Like the yes. the response to the custom commander episode we did has been really positive. A lot of a lot of entries, a lot of excitement about yeah, it. Yeah, which is great. That's awesome. And and like we said during that episode we've got a lot more designs that we couldn't even get to just because yes. of time constraints. We're, we're definitely planning on making that a semi-regular series. This is a very particular niche for Magic players. Commander doesn't really have anyone talking about Commander the way that we are. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening to this and you like this, like maybe you have a friend who'll like it too. Like Any type of like interaction on social media with us or with other people, like... We do appreciate that, like the reviews on iTunes, like anything like that. It means a lot to us because we do this for fun. As, as like a creative type, it is so much easier to do the things you love if you do see feedback on it. Mm-hmm. So that does really help us, and we appreciate all of you who've talked to us, whether it's through the blog or emails or what, whatever it is that you're sending in. So thank you all for for listening and for interacting with us. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.